Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, we are loaded up on this Tuesday morning. We got fascinating data coming from other networks. We got unbelievable debates all over the National Football League. And, of course, we have the final four to look into this weekend. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. So the one place to start will be with some football. Jeff Saturday and Dominique Foxworth, good enough to hang around after we wrap up Get Up this morning. And we'll dive uh, into all the different topics. It was absolutely fire this morning. If people were looking for a good television show for two hours this morning, what did they do today, Jeff? Go to Get Up. Receive it. We have have become uh, completely addicted now to Jeff's (laughs) little pet phrase. Um, And and so, okay, so let's go very quickly before I get into what. Well, I guess this is a good way to get into what I where I want to start. That is that CBS just announced in the last Mm. few minutes that Buffalo, Kansas City was the most watched NFL divisional playoff game ever. The audience measured out at about 50 million people. It peaked at 56 million people. Six million just popped in. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Six million just popped in. That was, a rerun of Golden Girls ended on TBS <laughs> and everyone switched in. over. Um, so, so what does that mean? It means that we had extraordinary drama. And, and what do you need in drama? You need heroes and villains. You need stars. And the NFL is built on that now, more than it ever has been before. Football was always about the shield. Football was always about the team. Football was always about my face is covered up by a helmet and a mask, so no one even knows what I look like. That's not the case anymore. The quarterbacks have become the protagonists of this show in the way that basketball superstars have been. And that is why we talk disproportionately about them. It is why we have these incredible debates over the the tiniest little nuance of Josh Allen's performance on Sunday. Because there were moments today, and the conversation was outstanding, Neek. But there were moments where I thought to myself... I don't really know what we're arguing about yeah. anymore. Like, like, is Josh Allen to blame? No, no one's saying that. Is Josh Allen great? Yes, no one's saying he's not. Is Josh Allen... I, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore, but he has become a fascinating figure. Hembo, Hembo described him as like a tragic figure. The <laughs> losses they have suffered. Yeah. It's like the most excruciating defeat, and it has lent to extraordinarily interesting conversation. Yeah, Josh Allen is an incredible football player. And I think his career arc has been interesting because a lot of us did not believe in him because of his college performance and his stats coming in. And then he went higher than we all expected. And then he had a rough start to his career. And there were a lot of people who also were on the other side. It was like, Josh Allen has great tools. Be patient with right. him. And so I think a lot of those people are now seeing Josh Allen become the great player that they expected him to be. And then when he comes up short in these big moments, have a hard time treating him with the same type of, uh, I guess, criticism 
that we do other quarterbacks. And I'm not arguing that we should treat Josh Allen the way we treat other quarterbacks, but I think we should treat other quarterbacks the way we treat Josh Allen. And that there is a lot of context and there is a lot of explanation for why so many things happen in the most interdependent sport that we have in America. And it's not normally just the quarterbacks, but as you made the point to start the show, they're the names we know. They're the faces we know. Those are the guys – 15, 20, 30 years from now, we're not going to look back on this and talk about Klein playing linebacker. Right. We're going to say <laughs> the Chiefs yeah, running it. Yeah, we're not going to be even the great players. They're not going to be talking about Deion Dawkins getting pushed back into Josh Allen. Yeah, we're just not going to be. We're not going to talk about the same way we don't talk about D Ford jumping off sides and Patrick Mahomes first championship game against the, the Patriots, which he lost. Those things are going to fade away. So I think part of our responsibility is to add the nuance and color and the context to the situation. But also understand what's happening as we look forward and understand the parallels, other careers, the type of player that Josh Allen can be is he can be one of the great. He can be uh, Ben Roethlisberger, couple Super Bowls, great career. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he could be better than that. But I'm thinking of people who had success. He could be Phillip Rivers where we're like, man, that was that guy was great. But eh, he didn't really get it done in the big game. And I don't remember all those games, but I promise you that it's not always all Phillip's fault. Yeah. You made an interesting point, Jeff, in our meeting, and I've thought of it many times, that there are similarities here between the early part of Peyton Manning's yeah. career and the, the, the record that Josh Allen has now. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's 5-5, five and five, and three of the losses have been to Patrick Mahomes. And I think so part of my, part, part of my, my kind of refusal to go down this, this road with people is he has performed not only well but extremely well in those games. So like when you think of did he shrink or did he not play as well, you know, like we talked about Dak Prescott, right? Throwing interceptions and they're one and done or however however you want to. So if you're criticizing him, then I understand the criticism of he's not Patrick Mahomes. My issue is when people try to crown other quarterbacks that are playing right now, whether it's Joe Burrow or whether it's Lamar Jackson or whether it's, it's, you know, put, put whoever else, then there is, there, there has to be, there's not great. There is, a great and that's Patrick Mahomes and let's keep all the rest in a different category until they do and win because that's what we're going to count it by now is rings not their performance because if you look at 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 Allen's numbers the guy throws for dang near 4,500 yards 30 something touchdowns he runs for a bunch he does all of these things so greatness should be out of the question I think the criticism that I feel is it's well, he hasn't beat Patrick Mahomes. Not many people have, right? Tom Brady is the one. And okay, so he's the greatest of all time. Patrick Mahomes is chasing that. But my God, the dude's played, Patrick Mahomes has played in six AFC championship games in six straight years. Like it just, It's just unheard of right. what he's putting together. So just don't put the other names above Josh Allen is my point. So, Nick, what I like about this show, doing this radio show and coming back as I have is that this is a place we can go deeper than we get to do on TV. On TV, there's a bunch of us and we have limited time and everyone is yelling and then it's all, man, I got to run to a break. And here we have time to dive into it. So I feel like there's pieces of this conversation that we have not, that you're interested in that we have not explored. No, I think... They're part of the conversation with Josh Allen is we for so long have seen this type of quarterback and have heard that this type of quarterback can never win. This type of quarterback cannot have success. And what do you mean nor- by this yeah, type of quarterback? It's normally a black athletic quarterback. And Josh Allen has had a lot of success. And I think that also is rubbing people the wrong way where it feels like for certain players, we're waiting 
for them to fail in these moments so we can say, see, you can't win when you're a reckless quarterback who runs with the ball and is aggressive and is not going to read defenses and just going to cut it loose. Like all the caricature um, kind of – uh, assessments of the like old style of black quarterback. And so I think that is also uncomfortable because we're looking at this player, do the things that we were told you can't do and then come up short. But yeah. we're then seeing the same people who would have said the opposite about it say, no, nah, but it's not his fault. You got to take the reckless decisions. And I'm someone who's saying this is you have to take his reckless decisions with the great stuff that he does. Right. I'm someone who's saying this, but it's weird to see the people who would never say that about Cam Newton or who would never say that about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It's weird to see them in this situation saying, oh, man, Josh Allen's doing all that he can. And he's got to barrel over defensive linemen because that's what he has to do. He's got to take these risky, deep shots because that's what he has to do. And so that's. I mean, race plays the issue in everything, whether we want to or not. And I think that's also kind of hanging over this conversation. Yeah, I, I think from, from my perspective, the styles of – like I compare Dak and Burrow – together right like like those two guys play a similar style right they're gonna be pocket guys they have enough of athleticism to go make a play for you but they're not they're not the guy even Mahomes to a degree he's not the guy that I mean he buys time in the pocket but he's not a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson that are gonna go make you pay right like like the difference between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and the rest of the field is this these dudes are freaks physically right they can do things so you get into the whole game manager thing versus Versus yeah. whatever, right? But I don't. I mean, my criticism for, for, from Lamar Jackson would be what you what you brought up on the show with Peyton Manning is that he hasn't played as well in playoff games. Like for Josh Allen, that's the opposite, right? Is he has picked up? He doesn't turn the ball over against the Chiefs. I think he's had nine touchdowns and one interception, right? So at least let's keep that conversation right. from that perspective. It's if you want to tell me that style of quarterback, Josh Allen being in, included in that type of quarterback of athletic, you know. Yeah. style quarterbacks that's one thing but the idea that I'm that, that he hasn't received criticism when the dude throws bonehead interceptions I'm the first guy to go right. you cost your team right like it but but I understand there are not, some people who don't go there yeah. but that is not the the issue for me is much bigger that that and I, I don't want to personalize it to any individual person but it's something that we see and we feel and when we see um Lamar Jackson raise his team to MVP level he's MVP and that team was best in the league as far as or best in the AFC right. as far as the standings were concerned but that team had flaws on it they right. didn't have the weapons that he had and coming out of that season we don't say well they didn't have the weapons they had a remedial offense they wouldn't let Lamar open it up right. the conversation is Lamar came up short can this style yeah. can he throw well enough can yeah. this style win that's the thing and I, I understand in Josh Allen's games the numbers are different but I still think there's just as many opportunities to add context around so many of our other quarterbacks who have shortcomings in absolutely big games but we're unwilling to provide that context for some of them and we're willing to provide it for Josh Allen which I think he deserves I think they all deserve it yeah but we should do that when we came in here I remember after Dak lost me and um I guess it was Rex it was a Monday me and Rex yeah. were like the defense is awful the defense is, all, is awful but is that the prevailing note no we got to listen to CD Lamb's mom and coach and uh, right. fans and everybody else talk about hey Dak ain't it right and that's that's I think that's the part that is is difficult with the Josh Allen conversation we should all we should treat all quarterbacks the way we're treating Josh Allen yeah. very we quickly don't. no one should ever treat any quarterbacks the way his teammates families are treating Dak Prescott absolutely yeah. and since you brought it up I've got just a few more minutes left 
left with you guys. Let me get a take on that. For those who haven't been following this, Dak Prescott has been getting summarily criticized. Forget about talk shows. Forget about get up, first take, whatever else you want. He has been getting absolutely Mm. obliterated on social media by the family members (laughs) and directly, I mean, very personally, namely Micah Parsons' brother told him on social media, Dak needs to take a team-friendly deal. He said, quote, he needs to take $40 million a year, otherwise pack your bags. <laughs> and that's how it was written. And, and C.D. Lamb's mother, in a post someone sent saying C.D. should come down to Houston, which is where he's from, um, she wrote back, that would be great. C.J. is awesome, meaning C.J. Stroud. And then in all capital letters, with multiple exclamation points, she wrote, Dak isn't it. Yeah. So, I mean, those are direct shots at Dak Prescott. Like, this, that's not normal, no. right? Like, that's, that's not and, okay. And, and listen, it's hard enough to win in the NFL when everything is aligned. When you start having this type of dysfunction in your locker room, it dang near becomes impossible, right? And the higher the stakes of the game, the more these things kind of come to the head or boil up, you know, however you want to frame it. And when you th- – the sad part is – they were trying to run it back, right? They keep McCarthy. They're trying to keep Quinn in Howard. They're trying to keep this thing so they can run it all back. And and you, you now you have two weeks out of the season. You got guys taking shots at you, or not guys, but but family members taking yeah. shots at this. There's going to have to be a meeting where they all get together and have these you know hug it out type type conversations. The the problem for this is. When you start talking about, you know, take less money you, and, and Dak isn't the guy, you're, you basically are both aligning that this, this guy isn't. So who's your guy? Like, he's going to have to leave a team? Because uh, last time I checked, C.E. Lamb had almost 140 catches, bro. He got, like, some kind <laughs> yeah, of stupid numbers. His best year, right? Like, so that, that, put that in context. Like, that matters because your, your next contract is directly reflected on what you just did and yes. the potential to go do that again. Going somewhere else, you might not have that. You better be careful with the grass this, is always greener. The saving grace for the Cowboys and all this is Dak Prescott. Amen. Has handled everything, and he's accustomed to this type of foolishness, and yes. he's always handled it with class, but some might argue that he should snap on somebody somewhere along the line because <laughs> this is absurd. Yes. They, they, they think my man Dak is soft like just coming at him as if he's he wasn't the front runner for MVP at some point this season right and he hasn't been one of the best quarterbacks in football for the last decade or so right. like it's it's outrageous and unfair and disappointing but you're the quarterback of the you know what's you know what's crazy I'm glad you said that because here's here's the other part when you think about the Lamar the Lamar, Lamar Jackson's of the world and the Dak Prescott's and the way they have handled different situations and people talk about like leadership that's now that to me is like a signal right when people are like not a good leader okay that's like that's like <laughs> yeah. a captain that's obvious a, yeah. right okay but when people say that the way that each of these men like the way that Lamar handled his contract issue holy ma- like he couldn't have minimized it more yeah. for the Ravens right when and and he's basically put up on the block of hey anybody wants our guy yeah. come put an offer in and the dude comes back and now is going to be the MVP or has the one seed that it's the way these guys can minimize distraction yeah. and allow their teams to continue to be successful. I'm letting you know, do, do not overlook that. That is leadership of an organization because it is, it is a tough pill to swallow when folks coming at you and you know they got no reason to be coming at you. So tip of the cap to both of those guys. But for the numbers, C.D. Lamb had 135 catches for 1,749 oh, yards and 12 touchdowns yeah. this season. Guys, you're the best. Check
Jeff, Saturday, Dominique Foxworth. Thank you. We look forward to doing it again tomorrow. We're just getting started here. Put your feet up. It's going to be a good show. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny. What seems to be going on with your pants, Bubba? Yeah, I've been wearing these jeans for a while now, but for whatever reason, I think over the last month or so, I've noticed the fly keeps going down about like 30% nonstop, and it's pretty annoying. Mostly for the rest of us. It's really your coworkers and your colleagues that I'm concerned about because they are unfortunately subjected to this. I can show you if you'd like. No, no, please don't. This is Greeny. All right, we roll along here on ESPN Radio. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. We are live, as always, above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17, and we are surrounded by the assembled members of the Hashtag crew. Hembo is here. Bubba and Cam are there. Guys, let, let, let's go in on, on this a little bit. I, I know we had some other stuff planned, but the conversations just took off this morning in, in such interesting directions that I think I want to go there. So, so let me ask a question, Cam. If Bubba's mother were to go on social media and post, Cam isn't it, and then you guys had to come in the next day, and, and, and in fact, not only that, but, but not only tweeted, Cam isn't it, but said, boy, it would be awesome if, if Bubba could work with the board op from Unsportsmanlike instead of Greeny. That would be so much better. Could go back to working with Nuno. Or someone else is so much better. And now the two of you got to sit in that room. Like, it's just, like, this thing with the Cowboys, my initial reaction, I, I think because it all came out over the weekend, and Monday morning I was so focused on what happened with Allen and Mahomes in the game, as well we should be, that I don't think I spent enough time thinking 
about just how bad that situation is. But Cam, like like you and Bubba, you'd have to throw hands, right? Like something would have to happen. Yeah, it would definitely at the very least be uncomfortable. Now, I didn't complete 135 passes to Bubba this season, but you know we work very well together as those three Cowboys superstars have in the regular season. And for his mom to call me out like that would be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, and even though in your case it would actually be an accurate statement, <laughs> and, and one could debate the accuracy of it in the case of C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott, Bubba, your, your favorite, your favorite team. As I said on TV this morning, not since who shot Jr. have we had this kind of family intrigue in Dallas. What do you think of it all? Well, I was hoping maybe it would be a, a, a dream just like that, but um, you know it's terrible because kind of like you guys were talking about on on Get Up. I mean, Dak through this entire thing from when he was drafted till now is basically just a consummate professional. He does everything the right way. Anytime there's a loss, a win, whatever, when it's his fault, not his fault, when people drop the ball, when the defense messes up, when the coaches mess up, he is right there taking the accountability. And for him to just catch all these, not even really just strays, just blatant shots from his, you know, teammates adjacent essentially is is just ridiculous because you know we all criticize Dak and I'll criticize him too but I mean I I I love Dak overall I'm a Dak guy and uh, it's just it's just frustrating because of of all the people to be doing like why are they criticizing Dak there are so many other things to be criticizing the team it's it's just very strange I don't understand why the Dak criticism is coming like no, why are they saying this thing about anything about Mike McCarthy? I mean, I don't want there to be any like strife within the team, but it's just weird that why are they going after Dak? I mean, it just seems like he's just seems like such the professional within the locker room. All he he only does is the right thing, and then all he does is just people are negative around him, and it's just I don't I don't get it. So, so it, here's it makes the one no thing sense to me. I will say, where most people zig, Hembo tends to zag. Where most people see nothing but strife. Hembo sees opportunity. You told me in the office this morning, you think there was one potential big winner in all of this family strife. Who is that? It's Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, Bubba, is going to wind up smelling like a rose at the end of this, whenever this sordid tale winds up ending. And I will tell you why. Dak Prescott, at the age of 30 right now, is entering a contract year, a contract that includes a no-trade clause and a no-tag clause. He also happens to be the only adult in every room, it seems, in Dallas in which he occupies. And so what I think, Greeny, is that we will see Dak Prescott use these things as he continues to be the bigger man, the better man, as leverage as he continues to play well at almost an MVP level this past season. And he will turn this, all of this, into the biggest contract in the history of the NFL because he is uh, playing under a coach who is a lame duck. He's throwing a football to someone who doesn't seem to like him, the best player on the defense. Uh, They don't seem to see eye to eye. The whole thing is blowing up. But Dak Prescott can say to himself, can say to his agent, can say to Jerry Jones, I am the shining city on a hill here. I'm going to be above reproach in my behavior, above reproach in my play. I'm going to play out this season, and then I'm going to hit free agency as the most desirable quarterback to ever do it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The only thing I'll say is all that would have been true without all this. Like, like his, the situation, the catbird seat in which he sits, mm-hmm. he was sitting in anyway. This stuff is just insane. And very rarely... I'm trying to think of the situations we've seen in sports that have gone this kind of sideways or have had this and, and how many of them have been resolved 
amicably, amiably, mm. successfully. Maybe the most famous example of it I can think of, you'll know very well, was Donovan McNabb and T.O. <laughs> Donovan McNabb and T.O. in Philadelphia. Terrell Owens came to Philly. He had the best season any Philadelphia wide receiver has ever had. He should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl, even though his team lost. He was magnificent. Donovan McNabb was his quarterback. They had a magnificent relationship. They had a magnificent they were a magnificent tandem. They had great offensive coaching, and Andy Reid looked like they were going to become the, the next great quarterback-receiver combo in the NFL. And then what happened? Donovan McNabb got paid a trillion dollars, as quarterbacks do, and when T.O.'s turn to get paid came up, McNabb refused to come out and say, yeah, they should give him all the money. He said something more like, you might remember it better than I do, something more like, that's not my area, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, and not, he, he certainly didn't attack, denigrate, downplay, or anything, Terrell Owens. What he didn't, he just didn't come out and say, they should make T.O. the highest paid receiver in the NFL or whatever it was. And, and T.O. never got over it. The next thing you know, he's doing sit-ups in his driveway. The next thing you know, he's traded out of there. So, like, these things, when you start messing around with money, Micah Parsons' brother is saying, take $40 million or pack your bags for a guy who right now is scheduled to make 59 next year? Like, that does not end well. You just hit the nail on the head. None of this would matter. None of this would be happening if it were not for the money. As I said, Dak Prescott, ending a contract year. C.D. Lamb, entering a contract year. Micah Parsons has one more year on his rookie deal and then the fifth-year option, which they will obviously pick up. That is why this is becoming a thing. The NFL is a salary cap sport. The Cowboys have managed to get to this point without extending any of these guys and will probably have to, all of them, this offseason. And these guys and their agents and thus their families recognize the importance of this moment when it comes to their earning potential. They also know that Dak Prescott won't punch back. He's the one that won't. And that's why they'll, they'll say these things. The reason I think that there's a difference between now and before all these things were said, Greeny, is that Dak Prescott has never really been viewed, I think, publicly as a sympathetic figure, which I think he most definitely now will if he continues to absorb these slings and arrows. So, I mean, that's a complete mess over there. And, and then, so we have that situation, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And then we have the Josh Allen of it all, which turned into another fascinating conversation <laughs> today, as it did yesterday. And I, there are times when I find myself in these discussions, and look, I get it, I'm, I'm sort of the, the, the ringleader of, of the discussion in the morning here, um, but even I'm not exactly sure what we're arguing about anymore. I feel like we're just, there's something about Josh Allen that makes everyone want to say, you're not getting it right, but no one knows exactly what the right thing to say about him. He's great, but everyone knows that. He's come up short, but everyone knows that. It's not his fault, but everyone knows that. I think everyone knows everything there is to say about Josh Allen. It just, he's so noteworthy. It feels like you have to say something, and then you have to disagree with something someone else said, even though you don't really. He is a confounding figure to try and cover and appropriately place into context. He really is. I almost felt like watching Get Up yesterday and today, our, our panelists were like, we're strawmanning each other. When in reality, I think most people see eye to eye on Josh Allen. These things are inarguable. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play this position. Uh, he has been brilliant in playoff losses. Uh, he is, in some sense, a victim of circumstance because he happened to be born around the same time as Patrick Mahomes and play in the same conference, uh, conference as Patrick Mahomes. And only people on the fringes aren't willing to see that these, all these things are, are true. 
The bottom line of it is, though, if you don't wind up doing the thing, like if you don't wind up going to the Super Bowl, if you don't ever wind up reaching the top of the mountain, we feel like we must be able to or have to explain it away in certain ways. We also like him so much that we are predisposed to defending him and creating excuses for him rather than just using all the nuance that we can, at least in this present time. I think Graziano is right insofar as he said, hey, history won't do context. Well, in 20 years from now, he will be 0-3 versus Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. But as you said yesterday, we can do better than that right now. We can acknowledge the context of the situation and put him in the pecking order of where he belongs, which is basically not an immortal, which Patrick Mahomes is. So you got a lot of attention for something that you posted on Twitter yesterday that Field Yates responded to. And it's just a very simple, I mean, the interesting part of it is, well, you did, you did editorialize, I should say. You, you placed Josh Allen's cap hit by season mm-hmm. and pointed out what it was each year. And it has been basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to round out the numbers here just for the ease of discussion. It went from $5 million to $6 million to $10 million to $16 million to $18 million. And as of this moment, next year, his cap hit is scheduled to be $47 million. And you wrote at the bottom, it's about to get much, much harder. To which Field Yates responded, well, he can restructure, they can redo the money, they can make it whatever they can make it. What, what, give me the context here. So the point is not that the Bills cannot keep winning, of course. If Josh Allen is your quarterback, you always have a chance of winning the Super Bowl, even though it has not happened yet. The point is that now they just have less a margin for error. I think that is inarguable. That's why I editorialized at the end and said it's going to get much, much harder. Doing the cap gymnastics is easy, and they'll be able to restructure and reallocate money the way that all teams do, and all teams get under the cap. Here are some other relevant factors when it comes to that uh, editorialization. All right, Stefan Diggs, who's now on the wrong side of 30, who stinks now, by the way, as it turns out over the last three months of the season, uh, he's got a dead cap charge of $31 million next year. And Von Miller, who's 34 years old and did not sack the quarterback one time this season, literally one time, has a dead cap charge of $33 million for next season. So... When you combine those factors with the fact that this was a top five roster in terms of how old they were on average, what I'm seeing, Greeny, is a window that is not closed, but a window that is merely pinched. You can still find a way to get through it. It's just going to be a lot harder with the economics at play and the fact that Patrick Mahomes is, on, is playing on a much younger team within your conference. So um, th- that, that's the background on him. Now I'm looking at Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen, they are the contenders to the throne. Patrick Mahomes sits on the throne. Frankly, his seat on the throne appears very safe. Although, I will say one thing. I keep hearing from too many people. Now, please do not misinterpret what I'm about to say. This is by no means me saying Andy Reid is going to retire at the end of this playoff run. What I am saying is, I keep hearing too many people speculating that he might. Considering there's no reason for that. There's no obvious reason for that. To the best of my knowledge, he's healthy. His team is winning. He looks happy. But I've heard too many people whose opinions matter speaking aloud about the possibility that he may retire at the end of his team's playoff run. That that would be the one thing that I would say would completely derail what Kansas City has going because I think – he is 1A. I think Patrick Mahomes is the number one reason why that team is doing what's doing, and, and, and Andy Reid is 1A. But beyond that, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of this era, and there's no discussion to be had. I'm looking at Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow's postseason numbers. Joe Burrow has started seven postseason games. 
He has thrown nine touchdowns, four interceptions, been sacked 29 times, made it to the Super Bowl. He has won road games in Buffalo and in Kansas City. Lamar Jackson has started five postseason games. He's two and three. Oh, I should have mentioned uh, Burrow is four and three. Um, uh, Burrow's five and two. Excuse me, five and two. He's five and two in the right. Of course, he couldn't be four and three. They've only played in two postseasons, so he's five and two. Lamar Jackson is two and three. I have the numbers written down on the wrong side. He has thrown five touchdowns and five interceptions. He's been sacked nineteen times. So the reality is that to this point, Joe Burrow has been better in the postseason and Josh Allen has been immeasurably better in the postseason than Lamar Jackson has been. Lamar Jackson's been better in the regular season than either of them. Neither of them has ever been MVP of the league. Lamar Jackson's about to be for the second time. But the one mountain that one of them has to climb is they have to put a ring on. Mm-hmm. You can't stare. Look, the reality is, right now, it's, in debate. It, it's, it's indisputable. Mahomes is the guy. Six straight conference championships. Two rings, two MVPs. He's the best. If Lamar Jackson beats him this Sunday and then wins the Super Bowl, suddenly Lamar Jackson will be able to say, well, I've got two MVPs. You've got two Super Bowl rings. I've got one. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll be, he'll be maybe not staring him eye to eye. But he'll be pretty damn close. So the idea of who is Mahomes' nearest competitor three weeks from now might be an absolute non-discussion. It's a fascinating thought exercise. Um, so we've decided for, for the purposes of this exercise that Mahomes is Tom Brady and who, who, we are seeking who is Peyton Manning, right? And we are seeking who is Ben Roethlisberger and we are seeking who is Philip Rivers. It's, a, it's so odd how history rhymes over the course of time. But that's kind of how I see what's going to shake out here um, in the AFC Championship game because Lamar Jackson is, is about to be, once he wins this MVP, about as accomplished as any football player at his age that has ever lived. Having won the Heisman at a, at a basketball school, yeah. remarkable. He was 19 when he won the Heisman, by the way. The youngest to do that, of course. He'll be the youngest quarterback to ever uh, win the MVP for his second time. And the Ravens have enjoyed the kind of regular season success that would suggest or would predict that they would have had a lot more postseason success, of course. But that's yet to come. They've not played. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson uh, have not played. When you in have the playoffs, in the playoffs, yeah. and when you have the op- they played three times in the regular season. Uh, Mahomes has won two of those three times. When you have the opportunity. You gotta pounce on it. And how often are you gonna have the better team? Like, how often are you gonna be hosting them? And how often are you going to be the favorite? We just saw Josh Allen have that exact opportunity, and they fell short. Even though we know that Josh Allen played certainly well enough to win, the Ravens have an opportunity to do the thing. And for Lamar Jackson in this sort of Game of Thrones to ascend beyond the other two, beyond Burrow, you know, beyond Josh Allen, because I think in some sense we have almost like put him to the side because he and Mahomes have not played and because his postseason success up until last week has been so below average, no matter what standard of measure you would choose to use. I'm just looking it up here. So Patrick Mahomes' win-loss record, if I have this right, in the regular season is 74-22, and 22, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Lamar Jackson is 62-24. and 24. My goodness. So, I mean, these guys, <laughs> they're historically great. They're both in the regular season way better than Allen has been or than Burrow has been. The playoffs are an entirely different animal. We'll see what happens this weekend. It is a fascinating time to be following all of this. And, of course, we're looking forward to seeing what they do this weekend. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you will love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. I have Mel's latest mock. It is fascinating. We will dive into that. Plus, I have to say a few words about someone I really care about. And we'll do that next on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around 
different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Uh, So much going on. Tons and tons of football. Tons of good drama. Tons of family stuff. We're having a good time with all of it. But I do have to, if you will indulge me, take a little bit of a detour here to say a few words about someone really special who is fighting a significant battle right now, and that is certainly someone you know, and that is Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Fame former second baseman of the Chicago Cubs, legendary player and an even better person, who it was announced yesterday is fighting metastatic cancer, uh, which it began as prostate cancer. I don't know the details, and I, I won't get into That's not my place to do it anyway, but... This was announced, and um, I feel extraordinarily sad and scared and all of that for him. He's someone that I have grown to really, really like over the years. So for those of you who don't know the history of Ryan Sandberg, Rhino was at a time when sports celebrity was something very different than it is now. He was the best and most popular athlete in Chicago sports. He got there before Michael Jordan before the 85 Bears took over that city, Ryan Sandberg was the most beloved athlete in Chicago. And a lot of weird things happened that we won't dive into here. There's none of the matter anymore. Um, but he had a magnificent career. He was, at a moment in time, the highest paid player in Major League Baseball. He is one of the, now you tell me, Hembo, um, this is your area more than mine, one of the three greatest second basemen of all time? Inarguably in the top five. No top question. Top five second baseman of all Brilliant. time. Um, and he is fighting a, a real battle now. We all understand what that is. 
And and so on behalf of both Stacy and me, we send our very best wishes to him and to Margaret and to their entire family because they are people that we came have come to know. So the story behind that is when Mike and I went to the White House in 2008, in early 2008, uh, George W. Bush was president. And he used to have this T-ball game on the White House lawn where they would have 50 kids that would get to play. They were children of varying special needs or fighting illnesses or what I don't remember or I don't even know that I knew then exactly how each one of them got selected to play in this game. But they would come and play a T-ball game on the White House lawn. And it was a wonderful event. He did it every year. And and this was the last year because it was the last year of his presidency. And Mike and I got invited to go as the announcers. So they had announcers every year. This year it was Mike and me. The coaches of the two teams, the managers, were John Smoltz and Ryan Sandberg. They had Kenny Chesney come out and sang the, uh, the, 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 uh, the national anthem. They had um, Frank Robinson, who was the quote-unquote honorary commissioner of the league. I mean, it was just epic. It was awesome. It was an awesome, awesome, awesome event. And then that night at the White House... They had a dinner in celebration of baseball that included everyone from Bud Selig to George Will to all these different people. And Mike and me and our families were invited. Our wives were invited. And Mike's wife, Chris, couldn't go. I don't recall the reasons. So he brought his son, Jake, and I brought Stace. And it was a wonderful event, wonderful, beautiful night. My only time ever having been inside the White House, which is freaking unbelievable and and not even being there as part of a tour but actually being there for an event and i've i've told the the stories about meeting president bush and all that stuff many times but this story is about ryan sandberg so what happened is as i guess is the case at dinners of this sort it's a huge dinner there were probably i don't know 150 200 people in the room stace and i were not seated together we were at different tables and Stace was seated next to, like, some ambassador from somewhere who, enjoyed, like, was a baseball fan. I don't even know how this person got invited, but someone that she's sitting there trying to make small talk with and whatever it is. And I got seated next to Ryan Sandberg, which was just a fluke and could not have been better. So I, Ryan Sandberg and I just chatted the whole night. Couldn't be a better guy. So his wife, Margaret, um, and they have a large blended family. They each have children from previous uh, marriages. And, and so now they have a, a, many, many kids uh, between the two of them. And they're a very close, tight-knit family now. Um, we sat together afterwards. Kenny Chesney plays a little concert. And Stace and I and Rhino and Margaret sat together. And we just hit it off really well. And I think Margaret needed to get her hair done or something. And Stace took her to a place. To, I, so, something happened between the two of them. <laughs> And you know what it's like, and you, you've experienced this, like when your wife and someone else's wife hit it off really well, you're going to be friends. Lifelong friends. And that's exactly what happened. So Ryan Sandberg, who, I mean, one of my heroes, one of the greatest players of all time, and one of the most humble, down-to-earth, genuine superstars you'll ever come across, we became friendly in this regard. Now, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like, you know, we, we get together every few weeks. But we have remained in touch over the years and sending cards and notes back and forth and whatever it is. And like most things, like you just assume there's always going to be time for stuff. Like we've always talked about how, oh, we got to get together again. And, and, and of course, you don't. You keep kicking that can down the road. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, you're looking on social media and the Cubs are wishing their best to Ryan Sandberg. And there's a picture of him in a hospital um, and all of that. And, and it just, it, it floored me when I saw it yesterday. So young. And, and again, we are not eulogizing Ryan Sandberg today. We are endlessly hopeful and sending 
every ounce of energy. And if you were one who sends prayers, I certainly um, would direct them in, in his way. Um, he's just a great guy. By the way, the Cubs will unveil a statue of Ryan Sandberg at Wrigley Field on June 23rd, which is an event that I now have every intention of attending mm. um, to go see that and, and go be there to cheer him on because he, he richly deserves it. Th- that Cubs team of 84, which remains one of the most beloved, the Cubs had not been in the postseason uh, at, at, at that point since 1945, so whatever that is, 39 years. And, of course, they didn't win the World Series until much later. But Rhino was the star of that team in 84 that made the playoffs and then another team that made it in 89 with Mark Grace and Andre Dawson and um, I think Greg Maddox was on that team. Um, and, and anyway, he was just a, a beloved, very unassuming, very modest extremely introverted person i think the reason that rhino is not it, it he, he does not he's not comfortable with like all sorts of public he's friendly to everybody but he's not one who wants to be the center he's not one who wants the limelight um so anyway he's just a great guy and so i just wanted to on these airwaves um send every ounce of good energy i have in the direction of ryan sandberg um who is one of the great ball players of his or any generation yeah i don't know rhino at all i've been in the same room as him once it was october the 28th of 2016 greeny which was the day the cubs played their first world series game at wrigley field in 71 years i was in a room with him that day because he came to the cubby bear to do a Mike and Mike show. Uh, at that time, I was researching the show. Uh, you and Golik were up on the stage, and Rhino came in. And it is not overstating it to say that like the Pope or the Dalai Lama would have received less fanfare mm-hmm. because um, it was like a deity had walked into that bar that day. And the Cubs have been playing baseball since 1876. You can't tell their story without Ryan Sandberg being on that Mount Rushmore, being on any list of any kind in terms of the most beloved of the faces of a franchise in a city, in a part of that city that loves baseball as much as it loves anything. And just for that sort of snippet, that moment in time, that was especially evident to me as someone who knew very little about him at that time. Yeah. And, and you know, we can, again, we are not talking about him in the past tense. I'm getting uncomfortable with this only in that it sounds like we are talking about a person who is no longer with us. He is still very much with us. And for all I know, and I am sincerely hopeful, he is going to beat this and he is going to be absolutely fine and continue to live a, a very long life. But one way or another, I just wanted to share those thoughts and, and those that, that recollection because it's one of the great memories of my life. There have been very, very few things I've ever been a part of that I enjoyed more than I enjoyed that day and that night and he was a huge part of it and hopefully will continue to be so Rhino from all of us we love you fight this thing like hell and I look forward to seeing you if not sooner than in June for the statue we'll be right back thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.